Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 24. Of you there, say amen. Now, I'm going to do the good news version uh, that I, I hardly ever, I usually uh, New King James or, uh, the, uh, or NLT, and we'll have different versions here today. But you know what? I love dissecting the word. How many love the word? Amen? So follow with me in your tablet. Follow me in your actual Bible. How many bring actual Bibles to church? Come on, raise your hand. Ooh, that's encouraging. That's good. There's not about like 10 people, though. But praise God. Now, this is the good news version because it, it really reads something. Now, this is an ouch scripture, but it's an encouraging ouch scripture. All right? It's not a bad ouch scripture. Look at what it says here. This is a prophetic scripture that I want to release to RCC, really into the body of Christ, about this next year and what we're about to do. Look what it says. An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. Let me read that again. An intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts at many directions. To some of us, that last sentence described us real good. We are constantly finding ourselves throughout the week, throughout the day, kind of just busy, 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 going cray-cray everywhere. And we're busy in every direction. How many know that you could be busy in many directions and not be fruitful in one direction? Right? We need to be focused when it comes to our goals, when it comes to the things that the Lord wants to do in our life. Because if we're not, if we're just running around 100 miles an hour, and if we're just saying, hey, I just love God, but I want to be involved in everything, then what happens is each that part of that everything gets a piece of the pie of the strength of your life. or the or it, it, Everything that we're running to takes a percentage off of you. So instead of having 10, 15 things that you're running around to, if you could aim, come on. Aim requires focus and intentionality on our part. So the Bible says that a wise person aims. I think a lot of times Christians, they don't aim at all about what they really want as God-given goals for their family. Come on. For their finances. We Here's the spiritual versus practical part that I said. It is, I am waiting to get happy, but we never define how we're going to get happy. Or I am just believing God for restoration in our marriage. But we don't ever aim, come on somebody, you can preach at me this morning. We never aim at how that is going to practically look like. That may mean, to some of you, you may have to intentionally schedule some days so you can have a date with your spouse again. That may mean you have to cut back on something, but you have to aim for it. Say aim. And so concerning this past year, we can waste it away. Uh, uh, worrying about what we didn't accomplish. We could... Uh, Focus on our failures. Many of us, if you're human, I want to encourage you. You are going to fail. That's part of being human. A true sign of a, of a champion are not those who never fail. They're those who never quit. We're, we're going to fail. As a matter of fact, that makes you human. So we can sit in 2017 and harp on our failures. We can mope around and sit around what we didn't accomplish. Or we can shake off the dust in 2017 and be intentional and purposeful to go after that which God has put inside of our heart, spoken to our heart, and into our family and ministry and business. Can I hear an amen? Because if not, that will kind of lead to depression. If you're, if you're always thinking about what you should have done. My, my brother, my sister, that is one of the quickest roads to defeat, being deflated and depressed. If you're focusing on, man, I should have done this. It's okay that you should have done it, 
but start over. At least you recognize that you could have done it. Aim, make some adjustments, be intentional about the purposes of God in your life because here's the key, and this may sound like not a big revelation to you, but here's a revelation to all of us, which is a really rare, a raw factor, is time will never stand still to make up for our lack of diligence and aiming. Time will continue to keep on ticking with or without your permission. There's not going to be another Joshua moment where the sun stands still. There's not going to be another time where God holds time until you figure out the perfect condition to do something that God has placed in your heart to do or to set goals for your family, come on, for your relationships, for your family, for your own private time with God. But we need to aim. Everybody say aim. And so spiritually aiming, you know, we could experience loss, but we, one thing about experiencing loss or failure is this. One of the great tools that God has given us when we experience failure or we experience uh, defeat is called learning. I'm going to say something really deep that doesn't really sound deep. But other than the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher in your life is what you've gone through. I'm going to drop the mic. That was pretty good. Other than the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher is what you have gone through. If I am walking in a dark place and I twist my ankle on a hole that I didn't see, I had to experience pain to realize that there's a hole there. So what I do is I tell other people, hey, don't go through this path because I experienced personal pain going this way. And so the other person will actually have great, great counsel to avoid that, not because I'm super spiritual, because I went through it. Some of the things that you went through in 2017 is going to be a tutor to you in 2018. It's going to teach you to make adjustments and aim. Instead of having this as you're aiming, you're going to be more focused. What does aiming require? It, means, it requires your attention. It requires being intentional to make choices, and it, and, it, and it requires you to focus. Say focus. Say focus. And, it, and when you focus and when you aim, hear me now, you will then be in a position to make wise choices. That's what it says. An intelligent person aims at wise choices or wise actions. Now, watch this. This is going to get good here. How then do you make wise actions? Now, there's one thing to say. Um, there's one thing to say, an intelligent person aims at wise actions. But there's another thing to say, how do you, how do you get wise actions? How do you get wise results? Are you ready? By taking heed to the scriptures and taking heed to biblical counsel. That was a good part to say amen. That's how you aim, is by taking heed to the scriptures. Psalm 119, what did the psalmist say? What did the psalmist say? How can a young man cleanse his way? Come on. Come on, theologians, speak back to me. By taking heed according to your word. So here's the psalmist saying, how can I make wise choices? How can I, how can I cleanse my way? How can I aim better at what I want? You know what Paul Apostle aimed? He goes, but I press towards the what? Mark. He didn't say I press towards the, the sky where, where everything is just everything. No, I press towards the mark of the upward call of God, of Christ Jesus. Amen? So aiming requires you to be focused. But how do you do that? You take heed to the word of God. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 119. The psalmist says, I make wise actions and I get my way cleansed better by taking heed 
to the word. And if you read further down there, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Now, if you put that in reverse, what does it say? Come on, you know, I give you permission to talk back to me. We're family, okay? If, if the Bible says, hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you, let's say that in the opposite. If you don't hide the word in your heart, you will sin against him. Am I speaking to RCC this morning? Now, this is important. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of points that are going to be on the screen, all right, on what I'm calling what we could make as Revolution New Year uh, goals. I like to call it New Year's revolutions, all right? So I have about six New Year revolutions, uh, there's much more, that I've been praying about and studying about, and I want to release these six points to you this morning of how, what I believe Every one of us should do to aim, say aim, in 2018 for a better uh, fruitfulness in our life. Are you ready for this? The first point, put the first point up there. The first point is this. It's not a New Year's thing. It's a right now thing. Now, you may not understand or get excited when I'm saying that, but you will in just a second. We, uh, how many times every year, this time of year, we make resolutions? I want to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to get things right. I'm going to start exercising more. And, they're, and, they're, and we postpone them. No, I'm too busy. I'll do it in two weeks. Or I'm going to get my devotions right on track. I'm going to start waking up you know, early. And then things happen. And you're like, you know, I'm going to do that in two weeks. And two weeks come and that, nothing happens. And you say, I'm going to do it next week. I promise God. We make resolutions that we sometimes, most of the time, don't keep. Can I say hear an amen? What I'm trying to tell you is if you purpose in your mind, this is going to be revolutionary for you, that it's not a New Year's thing, it's a right now thing, things will start happening quickly for your life. Now you say, where's the waiting on the Lord? It's still there. I'm not saying that what you're starting is going to be completed now, but at least start now. Start in your mind now. Start in your heart now. Start in your, in your pathway. The steps of a good man are what? It doesn't, it doesn't say the sitting of a good man is ordered by the Lord. It said the continual steps of the, of the good man are ordered by the Lord. I, I wonder if there could be some real changes in someone's life. Not because it's a New Year's thing. It's because it's a right now thing. Whatever it is that you're trying to aim at in 2018, I'm going to give you something prophetic. Start right now. Again, start right now in your heart. Start right now making a little adjustments. Don't wait for somebody to do it for you. And don't wait for all these million confirmations. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you got to just say this. I'm ready right now. I, I, I'm, I've had enough now. Come on, right now. It's time now. The Bible constantly speaks of the power of now. Look at 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Are you awake this morning? All right, I see some smiling faces at me. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, look at this. In, in an acceptable time, oh, I love this. In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Watch this. Behold, now is the day. Watch. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You guys ain't saying anything back to me. Behold, now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Jesus will never delay. Get saved tomorrow. 
get right with God tomorrow. Go ahead and, and waste all your sinful desires today, but tomorrow, let's get it right. No, he says right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask you think according to the power that's in us. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Now. It's right now that God wants to. The reason why the body of Christ has been stuck is because we're delaying the now to later. What would your life look like if all the dreams and the purposes that God has put in your heart, you actually started? Listen, and if you're called to write a book, an angel is not going to interrupt your day and force your hand to write that book. I'm just waiting for my book. I just need a revelation. Listen, and don't wait for a feeling to start because if you wait for the perfect time to start, nothing will happen. Uh, if, you wait for, if you wait for a feeling or you, uh, if you wait for a sensation, nothing will happen. I'll prove it to you. Look at Ecclesiastes cha chapter 11. Oh, this is so good. In the NLT, the Ecclesiastes chapter, I hope I'm encouraging you this morning. Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 in NLT. Watch this. This is good. Farmers who wait for the perfect weather will never plant. Woo. I'm going to say that again. Farmers who wait for the perfect weather will never plant. Here's, here, here's an illustration. Well, you know what? It's a little, a little shake in the economy, so I'm not going to sow my, 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 my tithe. You know what? It's, it's been a little bit rocky in my marriage, so I'm just not going to go to church for about three months. If you're waiting for the perfect time to get right with God, it will never happen. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant washes. If they watch every cloud, they will never have a harvest. Could you imagine farmers like, there are seeds that I have sown earlier this year that I have taken care of and I have watered and I have allowed the sun to hit, but it's cloudy today. And then you wake up, but it's cloudy today too. Now, now all of a sudden, it's cloudy for five straight days. Go out. Go out. Take that risk when the Lord says it and reap what you have sowed. Right? And so the, here's the scripture that it says. If, when we, always, we always say this in the body of Christ. You know, when things settle down, when things get better, you know what? I'm going to finally get more involved at, in my church. When things settle down and, and get better. Now, I know there's some wisdom to that. Please hear me now. There's some wisdom to that. But I think we've gone to the extreme to the point where the majority, if you allow me to just speak a little raw, Donnie did it before me so I could, I could come a little bit uh, softer right now. The majority of the body of Christ are sitting down, receiving, and we've become so spiritually fat, and I say this in a loving way, that, that we are going to explode if we don't release that which God has given you. What I mean by that is spiritually fat is not a diss. Spiritually fat means you just got a lot of information throughout the years, and God is waiting for you to do something with that. Come on, say amen. He's waiting for you. And so if, 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 if you're out there and, and you're saying this, like, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to settle down, uh, there may not be a complete, completed time to do that. I want to say something that I want you to write down. Procrastination is the killer of achieving your goals. You better preach, Pastor George. I'm trying. Procrast write this down. Procrastination, it's not going to be on your screen, is a killer to achieving your goals that God has put inside of you. Some of you young people know what I'm talking about. You wait for the last minute to do your test, and then you hate it when you got to do it, like study 12 hours in one day. Come on, preach. 
It's not just with school. It's with your calling. It's with your business. It's with getting, it's with getting things with your marriage right. How about starting right now? Come on, you know what? I'll give you permission to say, I start right now. That's right. You start in your mind now. You start with actions now. You start with steps now. Or else, it may never come. By the way, this is free. This is not in my notes. Sometimes procrastination is due to a hidden fear of what you're about to step into or what you're about to do. See, I see a lot of smiles looking at me. Procrastination sometimes is a character trait, but sometimes procrastination is intentional. Because you're like, if I go, if I start going this way, it's going to expose my inexperience. Or it's going to expose my uh, lack of whatever. So this is a, a, a powerful thing that I want you to know. Because if we're going to do something in 2018 that's revolutionary for your calling, for your marriage, for your business, you have to decide it starts now. Now, take what I mean by now, take a, take a, a planner and at least what you could do now is point to certain dates and say, I want to I do this by this date. I want to, if you're a connect group leader, I, wanna, I want to meet with so-and-so. I, I want to double my influence this year by this day. Start now, right? Amen. The second revolutionary point is this. this is, now, this is, this is going to be a good, a good loving slap from the Lord. Ready? Look at the second point up there. Put that second point. Accept responsibility for your own life. We have all these New Year re resolutions, and we're subliminally waiting for someone to take the responsibility of our own actions. And so what happens, why I say that is because not only in 2017, but in our life, humanity has the tendency to blame everybody else for their problems. Humanity has a tendency to, tendency to say it's because of such and such circumstance or it's because of that person that my, that my marriage is messed up because that person is really making me all irritated and now my marriage is messed up. No, it's not. Your marriage is maybe messed up because you don't know how to control the emotional uh, outburst. Listen, nobody can make you do anything. When someone says, you just make, that, that, he just makes me mad. No, no, you know why I can't make you do nothing? You know why your spouse can't make you do anything? No, you know why your friend or your boss can't make you do anything? Because they don't live inside of you. As a matter of fact, that statement is a diss to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the last time I checked, greater is he that lives in you than he who is in the world. So when we say he makes me mad, you're subliminally saying he has more power than the Holy Spirit inside of me and he doesn't even live in me. You just make me mad. I, you can't, I don't live in you. Your spouse doesn't live in you. Your boss doesn't live in you. One of the fruits of the Spirit is called self-control. Self-control, that means when your boss is angry at you and everything is, uh, <laughs> want to manifest and punch the dude out, you still have the final authority and final say that says, I will not. You know, that's why Paul the Apostle said, said I, I, buffet, <laughs> I buffet my flesh daily or else I'll be disqualified. I like the 2017 version. If I don't buffet my flesh, I'm going to beat that dude down. 
He's like, I, ha- I got to buffet my flesh or else this guy will have a black eye. Peter, I, I wanted to kill Peter. Him and Peter probably had fistfights sometimes. Wanted to, what are you talking about? Call me a racist. What are you talking about, Peter? Paul the apostle rebuked Peter. And, and, and Paul wasn't one of the original 12 disciples, yet Paul had a revelation of the struggles that Peter was going through, and he was acting one way around the Jews and, and the Gentiles when they were there, but when they left, he was hypocritical. And so Paul called them out. Listen, listen. Paul called out one of the chief disciples and said, bro, you are wrong, bro. You, you, you just, that's, not the, that's not the right way to do it. But you know what? In all of that, they learned how to take responsibility. One of the, oh, watch this, watch this. One of the greatest things that you could do in your life is take personal responsibility for your actions. And sometimes that means that it's okay to repent, not just to God, but to other people. I have no problem. There's a couple times this year, there's a couple times that I said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do that. I repented to certain people. I'm not big enough just because I'm the senior pastor to say I don't repent to you or to God or ask for forgiveness. So not only does it start now, take responsibility over your life. Watch this. It's easier to blame others for your actions and not take responsibility because when you blame others for your actions, it takes you off the hook for your need to change. When you don't have this in your life and you're always blaming others for your lack of fruitfulness in your life, it takes you off the hook from requiring change in your part. Basically, what you're saying is everybody else needs to change except for me. And let me just say this. A lot of times when we don't take responsibility, we develop a victim mentality, which is all about me. Have you ever, have you, has it ever occurred to you, and I never said this in RCC, has it ever occurred to you that maybe the other person that you've been engaging uh, negatively with or the other boss, whatever, also feels a victim of your actions? You may think, well, I'm the only victim here. Well, there's another victim too. My point is take responsibility. You will never change. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You will never change as long as you're pointing the finger. You have to say, what can I do to better this relationship? What could I do to better this scenario? Come on. What can I do to make my church better when I see some things that are flawed? How can I fill that void? Take responsibility of your life. Some people say, well, well, you know, if I had... If I had a dad in my house, then I wouldn't be so angry all the time. Or, or if, my, if, my, if my teacher wasn't so mean, I'll get good grades. Or if, that, if somebody would have been nicer to me, I would have been nicer. But the devil is a liar. <laughs> the devil is a liar. So, you know, listen, can I just be real with you? Some people say, if I didn't have a father in my house, if I, sorry, if I had a father in my house growing up, then I, I, then I would be less angry. Do you realize that you are putting the blame on somebody else and you're not taking responsibility for your own anger issues? I'm going to prove it to you. Uh, I'm going to prove it to you scripturally in just a second. Do you realize that when you say if, if, if people were nicer to me, I would be nicer to people? What you're basically saying is you're basing your obedience on other people's actions. Faith without works is dead and faith requires no feeling at times. Can I hear an Amen. So here's the thing. Stop comparing your struggles and, and using your struggles to excuse you from taking responsibility in your life. Here's the story. Yes, you have a story. I have a story. We all have a story. But guess what? I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I still have a, 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 a 
breath in my lungs. I, my, my heart's still beating, but I'm still serving the Lord. So should you. Nothing in this life should be able to be stronger than the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Can I hear an amen? Nobody can make you do anything like I told you. We live in a society that says everything bad that happens to me is somebody else's fault. I'm trying to heal you this morning. Because at the root, at the root of not taking responsibility is a root of selfishness and pride. But even further, if you dig even further, there's wounds in there. The reason people blame other people is because it's so hurtful to them. Because they've already been defeated and already feel condemned and already feel uh, 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 depressed that to, that, that to take responsibility in their eyes is another blow on their nature or how God sees them. But let me tell you, I'm going to say something very bold. You are, and I are not defined by the struggles that we go through. We are not defined by the mistakes we've made. We are defined by who God says we are. If I have a $100 bill and I crumble it up before you even got to church, and I stepped on it 20 times, and I put uh, rocks and, and dirt on it, and you can barely recognize it anymore, but it's not ripped and it's still, and it's still uh, intact, is it not still valued $100? Take responsibility. I'm going to say this what I feel from the Lord. Taking responsibility of your life, this revolution number two, will cause every other relationship or every other circumstance to bow before the Lord in you. Because without you knowing it, are you ready for this? Without you knowing it, by blaming other people, you've given them control of your life and your emotions. Take control back. Take control back by saying, you know what? I acknowledge this, you know, I could have been softer in this, or I shouldn't have talked this way, or you know what, I did gossip, I repent for, or, you know what, I did believe a lie this past year uh, about this, or I wasn't honest about this. Own it! Come on, say own it. And then you move forward. It's beautiful. You know why? Because then there's no strings attached. If you take responsibility over your life, then you stop, stop pointing the, the finger, and then guess what happens next? Restoration happens next. It does. Why? Revival begins with you. Say revival begins with me. Look at Galatians chapter uh, 6 out in the NLT verse 5. And I'll prove it to you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5, look what it says. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Let that scripture hit you like a machine gun. For each one of us is responsible for our own conduct. You know what the King James Version says? It says each one is responsible for his own burden. Now, yes, we're, we're, we're called to carry each other's burdens uh, to, to a, a degree. But there comes a point where you have to back, back off. I, I never forget a, a vision that God gave me years ago in the 90s. I saw, I was frustrated because I was trying to get somebody that I really cared for to understand biblical truth. And they didn't understand it no matter how. How many of you have ever tried explaining to your family or friends a biblical truth and it's like, like you're speaking to a wall? And I was so frustrated. And I'll never forget. It was actually Pablito uh, that, that showed me this. Uh, I remember coming to him. In, uh, in the mid-90s, I'm like, but how, do you, how do you get somebody to understand? I'll never forget what he said. He's like, you're, you're frustrated because you don't understand your role. You're trying to be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And then he said this. Uh, I'll never forget this. He says, your job with this person is to lead them to the door, but they have to open the doorknob. 
They may be too weak to get to the door. So your job is to lead them to the door, and now it's up to them to turn the doorknob. There's some people that are led to the Lord by truth, to the door by truth, and never open the door. So, so watch this. Take responsibility for your own self and leave the rest up to God. Can I hear an amen? I want you to put this, that, that next slide up, Zach. This is going to make you happy. All right? Look at this next point. Uh, still in number two. Although you can't control other people's negative behavior, you can control how long you participate in it. <laughs> Although you can't control other people's negative behavior, you can control how much you're part of that negative behavior. Can I hear an amen? Some of you need to bounce really early off negative behavior. Some of you are like, you know what? Uh, this, this, this conversation is, has been laced with gossip for the last 10 minutes. You know what? I'm out of here. Peace. But if you stay there, then you're taking responsibility for possibly contaminating your mind without giving the other, chance, the other person a chance to defend themselves. If you're only hearing half-truth, you're going to be set up for, for things that are not good. Can I hear an amen? And so, and it's not just in conversation. It could be in situations like, can I just be real? Like when you're courting and there are certain circumstances that are popping up and you're like, I need, this is a negative environment where I see all these people encouraging me to do something. Come on, somebody. That I'm not, that I'm going to regret later. I need to make a decision now. Even if it feels good to your flesh, you, watch this, can't control other people's behavior. You can't control your boss for being nice to you, but you can't control how you react to them. By guarding your heart, by blessing them, and you know what? God will take care of the rest. But, but in order to make your heart happy and alive, make sure you don't give them control by yielding to everything that everybody does to you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? So there's three types of people. We're still in point number two, because <laughs> this is good. There's three types of people in life, all right? Put that, put that, that uh, up here. Now, when it comes to taking responsibilities, I want you to write this down. It's going to be on the screen. There's three types of people when it comes to the, the revolution of taking responsibility. Say, take responsibility. All right. Now, I believe all three of these type of people not only are in the world today, but are in the church today, the body of Christ today, and maybe in this room today, right? So the first type of person when it comes to taking responsibility of your life or lack of taking responsibility of your life, put it up there, is the accusers. So there's, there's, there's three type of people when, when it comes to uh, initiative of taking responsibility or not taking responsibility, all right? Now, if the shoe fits, wear it. And it's okay to say, okay, I take responsibility of this, I have a tendency of this, I'm going to change this. Now, what are the accusers? Say accusers. The accusers are the, are the mentality, because they don't take responsibility over their own life, the accusers have the mentality that, that it's everyone's fault except them in their mind, and their favorite phrase is, quote, it's all your fault, end quote. I saw husbands and wives going like this. No, just joking. Just joking. Their favorite phrase is, it's your fault. Now, here's the problem with the accusers. We line up ourselves with a nature that's very demonic and very uh, dark when we are accusers because one of the titles given to the devil, I know it's old school, I said devil, is the accuser of the brethren. 
he accuses, the Bible says, night and day. And he comes to the, to the Lord in the book of Re- Revelation. He, and he, he came to the Lord with Job. He says, oh, if you just, if you just remove all that blessing that, that he has, he'll curse you to your face. He's constantly accused. You know what I love about Jesus? He is not moved by the devil's accusations. We are. You know what the, 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 the Lord says to the devil every single time, every single time, he, the enemy comes and talks about one of you. Yeah, but, but I just saw him slipping last night. How can they deserve that? How can you give him that position? And the response is, all I see when I see them is the blood of my son covering them. The blood of Jesus, of my son covering them. So the, the accuser, now, now here's, before I go to the next point, the accusers, Hopefully there's not anyone in here, but just, just to get it. The accusers, what happens to them is they have a hard time apologizing to people. That, was, that got like no amens, amen. I'll say amen to that. Because a, when you have an accusatory nature, you will not humble yourself to apologize. Because you think that it's all about what happened to you. But you have to get to a point where... Humbling ourselves may take the fact that you have to admit that you were wrong, too. Last time I checked, it takes two to tango. Unless you're crazy and you're always dancing by yourself. It takes two people to tango. It takes two people to build a relationship. Come on, somebody. So if you're an accuser, I humbly tell you, don't continue in that path. Take responsibility. And you know what? It's so liberating to to. to to apologize to the Lord, not, not because you're condemned, but because you know that you can take responsibility in certain areas of your life. Amen? Because no one's perfect. The only person perfect is, who, is Jesus. So the second person is the excusers. That's the next one. The excuser. The first type of person that doesn't take responsibility or does is the accuser. The second one is the excusers. How many people in here know, know people that's full of excuses every time you ask them? Hey, why is your life not fruitful? Well, you know what? Because, you know, I, what, what, what happened was that I went to, to this place and then they really treated me bad. So, you know what? I just decided not to get involved anymore. Or, you know what? You know, my job is, 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 is just killing me. And so I just have no time for God. And I'm going to tell you this. God would be an unjust God if 24 hours was not enough time of day for you. What does that mean? Does that mean that I'm insensitive because you have you work 50 hours? No. What I'm saying is maybe get up a little earlier. Or go to sleep a little later to do what you're missing. Can I hear an amen? So the excusers are people that always make excuses for not being fruitful in their lives. Now, I want you to write this down. This is powerful. I don't think I've ever said this in RCC again because this is not, what I'm about to say is not spiritual. It's practical. We live in a day that we want God to do everything for us. One of the missing ingredients, are you ready for this? One of the missing ingredients for the excuser is hard work. Work ethic. So this generation calls it grinding. On the grind. I'm on the grind, right? I'm on the grind. I'm hustling. I mean, that's a bad word for some people. But it's really like, I, what I'm saying is, the Bible says a lazy person is full of excuses. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 16? Uh, uh, not Proverbs 16, uh, 26, you don't have to do there. Proverbs 26, the Bible says that the lazy man says in his heart, there's a lion in the street. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> Look, I know I didn't give it to you, but Proverbs, Proverbs 26, verse 13. Put, if you can, put that up there, Zach. The lazy person, watch this, has excuses. Say excuses. Come on, if you see someone uh, sleeping while I'm preaching, nudge them real quick right now. There you go. 
Say excuses. So Proverbs 26, 13 says the lazy man says there's a lion on the street and there's a lion on the road. And I love it because, no, there's not. <laughs> there's not a lion. You know, the reason, you know, the reason why I'm not going up to work is because, you know, everyone hates me. You know how many times I heard that? Everyone's talking about me. No, everyone's not talking about you. Calm down. I mean, you, you think everyone's talking to you? Really, probably one or two people, you know, are talking about you. But everyone's out to get me. Everyone, everyone's out to get you, really. Everyone is the church. Is, everyone's meeting together and say, let's all talk about that person right now. Come on. Come on. A lazy man says, there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion is on the streets. Um, have you ever seen a lion just chilling out on 441? Like, don't go to church because there's a lion here. <laughs> no. A lazy person is filled with excuses. Don't be number two in 2018. Don't be filled with excuses why your life is not fruitful. Say amen. Now, the third type of person are the choosers. Everybody say the choosers. The choosers are the one who choose. I'm not depending on somebody else to be obedient to the Lord's will over my life. The choosers are the ones that make choices despite how they feel, and they keep at it being consistent and faithful even when they don't feel a thing. The choosers are like Joshua. As for me and my house, watch this, we shall serve the Lord. Now, I, want, I was thinking about that scripture because I've, I've read it a lot, but I, I was, the Lord really said something to me about that scripture. When, when Joshua told, he told, he, he, he was setting himself up for embarrassment if his kids didn't follow the Lord. He said that publicly in front of all the nation of Israel. As for me, could you imagine I said here, me and all of my family, we're going to serve the Lord. And then you, you know my cousin, you are like, they're little cray-cray, and they're like, how is he serving the Lord? Or uh, no, I don't have any cousins cray-cray, just in case they're looking at me. Or, or you know one of my family members that's really bad. No, it's not discounting that. What he's saying is I am being, cho I'm choosing the atmosphere of my family. I am choosing the, the, the spiritual atmosphere of my family, and I'm going to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Notice that he didn't say they're going to bump into some troubles. They're going to have some doubts in their faith. They're going to question God at times. No, he goes, they're going to do that, but they will serve the Lord. You need to start saying, my, me and my family, we will serve the Lord in 2018. We will, we, will be, we will be blameless as we can in our heart because the choosers will choose life Instead of death, they will choose the, the scriptures versus their own pleasures. Can I hear an amen? I want you to look at the third revolutionary point here. Are you enjoying this? For 2018, put that third revolutionary point here. Clarify, it's up on the screen. Now, this is practical stuff, okay? Clarify and prioritize what you really want to do in your life, your calling, and in your relationships. Say that again. Clarify and prioritize what you really want for your life, your calling, and in your relationships. Why do I say that? Because here's a beautiful thing that God has given you and I. He's given us a beautiful gift called a brain. The body of Christ sometimes doesn't use your brains. They use their faith, but they use your brain. Listen, start thinking about what you want. Listen. If you don't think about what you want, you may never get what you are desiring. If you aim at nothing, here's a revelation, you're going to get nothing. If you aim at something, you may hit it. 
Prioritize your, and this is going to sound old school. You know what, what's missing sometimes is making a list. When's the last time you made a list of what your goals are going to be in 2000? Make a list and put it on your refrigerator and say, this is what I want to achieve in this quarter, and this is what I'm going to do with my family in this time. Listen, be intentional about taking a vacation. Don't wait for you to, to finally have a bump on the road. No, say, you know what? On June, we're going to have a vacation. Prioritize. Come on, say prioritize. Prioritize your relationships and put them back in order. The Lord always needs to be one. And you have to prioritize your devotion. Oh, I feel the Lord, man. You have to prioritize. Listen, there are a lot of people that love God, but are not putting him first. Lots of people. And here's the bad thing. They, they think that that's okay because they don't have a revelation. Wow. If God would reveal to you what you spend more time with, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. The more you love something or someone, the more time you will spend with that. If you spend 10 minutes with the Lord a week and you spend three hours looking at the stock market or 10 hours looking at the stock market so that you could try to get a little money, then that has become first. Prioritize even above your ministry, even above your job. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Even above your family. So there's a divine order in Scripture that God has called us to prioritize. I'm going to give you a, a, a little list. Now, it have, it's not really thus saith the Lord. My leaders, when we went uh, there, Stephen Gloza said this real powerfully, powerfully to us, and I want to re-say it to you at our congregation because I thought it was a powerful truth. It's not going to be on your screen, but I want you to listen to me. The, the, it, prioritize your relationships. Prioritize your time. If you don't prioritize your, prioritize your time, listen to me. You're going to go off like in the first Scripture in many different directions. Because people will steal your time. And they won't do it on purpose. They, they, but can, I meet here? can I do that? Hey, let's go over here. And all of a sudden, you're in, in five, six different directions, and you'll never get anything accomplished. Can I hear an amen? And so the first priority is obviously the Lord, his presence, his goodness, his nature. Spending time with Jesus every day should be a first priority. Whether it's through his word, prayer, worship, spend time with him. And listen, if you have to do it at night, do it. I prefer in the morning because that's when I get the shield up from all the darts of the day. Now, this, the second one may seem a little controversial because, uh, you know, when Stephen shared it to us, it was eye-opening. But the second thing you need to prioritize is me time. See, all the spiritual people just said, oh, no, no, not me. I don't deserve me. No, yes, you do. Because if you don't do me time, you'll get burned out and have a lack of desire to do all the other things. If it's all work and no play, you're going to hate the, the work. Come on, somebody. What do I mean by me time? Some of you, you need to intentionally, you've been so busy that you haven't given you me time. You need me time. In order, watch this. This is going to be powerful. You need me time above your family? Watch, watch. If you don't have me time, you will start having everything as a burden, even your family. You say, well, that's not biblical. Actually, it is. Love, what's, what's the first commandment? What's the first commandment? Come on. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on, are you ready for this? What is the second commandment? The second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor as... I can't hear you. So you have to first love yourself before you can love others. So you need me time. Me time for me is playing video games. Glory to God. That's right. I'm a gamer. You're a gamer? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't have the demonic games, but I love the old school Super Mario and, and all this stuff. I'm like, let's go. I got this. And I'm like, nobody bother me. It's just me and, and Mario right now. I love it. 
to my wife is like just window shopping for five hours at, at, or actually real shopping at Hobby Lobby. I'm like, oh, God. So I'll be back in five hours. I'm like, help me, Jesus. But listen, <laughs> we need me time. You know why? Because you come home and you feel refreshed. Once you have me time, you're like, okay, now, now, now I can serve others. You hear me? You hear me? So it's important in 2018 that you don't get so spiritual that you neglect me time. You won't hear this preached in a lot of churches, but I'm telling you, you need to have time for yourself. You know what another me time for me is? I love playing basketball. I, I'm, I'm pretty old now, but I can school some of y'all, let me tell you. Mr. Mountain got a triple-double. Only some old school heads got that revelation. But, but so, you, so you, need to, you need to have time for the Lord. Say, Lord. Say, time for me. Thirdly, you need to, spend, you need to prioritize time with your family. Okay? Prioritize time with your family. Don't just wait till someone invites you to an event for you to have family time. Be intentional. Again, look at your phone, look at your calendar, and say, you know what? This Saturday, we're not going to take any phone calls, and we're just going to go out to SeaWorld or whatever it is. You know what? We're going to go out to the park. I used to love just going out to the park and, and feed the ducks bread. They're like, they're so bold that they come in like, they like fight. There's a park that I've gone to for years. It's called Lake Lily. And you know what? You need to do stuff with family because that is going to strengthen your family when you spend time with your family. Can I hear an amen? I encourage you in 2018, have more family events. Can I just be, I, I thank you. I felt this from the Lord. They interviewed Billy Graham years ago, and they said, if you would have had to do something different, what would you have, would have done? He said, out of all the crusades that I did, all the teachings, I wish I would have spent a little bit more time with my family. I've never heard this statement from somebody at the end of their life. I wish I would have spent more time at work. Am I right? I've never heard someone who has gone through hell and back and, and now 80 years old and, and reflecting on their life. I've never heard someone say, man, I, I wish I would have clocked more than 50 hours a week and spent more time there instead of my family. No, it's always 100%. I wish I would have spent more time with family. Guess what? You could do it right now. Man, I, I don't know why I feel the Holy Spirit on that. I said, I feel the Holy Spirit. You, that means the Lord wants to challenge you. You want to, you, listen, you want to have family restoration is not all that deep. Start spending time with them. I notice that I get uh, more love out of my family when they see me being intentional, spending time with them. And, and I'm not even asking for something, but when I, when I do things for my family, it's like I receive the love. And the, and the greater admiration, even though it's there, because now they're realizing, you know what? Ministry is not your God. And for a lot of preachers, we have to be careful because if you're wired like me, I go 100 miles an hour and I'm very intense. So anything that I grab, I, I give my... Here, here's the thing. I'm a very loyal person. If you have me on your team, I'm 100, 100 miles an hour. But sometimes you have to realize that going 100 miles an hour, you neglect some other important things. Can I hear an amen? Now... The next one it prioritize is your work and your career. Your work and your career need to have a priority in there, all right? You're, you need to prioritize what you're going to do in your career. You need to prioritize how much time you spend in your business uh, and, and so forth. So work that into your schedule. And you know what? Fifthly is, is again, this is number five, so to speak, uh, is your involvement in church, your involvement in the ministry. Ask yourself in 2018, how can I better 
commit myself in 2018 to meet the needs of my local church that I love and that I'm planted in. Hello? Ask yourself that. How can I be more committed on Sunday morning services? How can I help some of the leaders here? Don't just wait for you to get to a place where somebody recognizes the gift in you. Ask yourself in 2018, how can I be more involved in church? Yes, I said that. Because we cannot do it without you. The old wineskin of a one-man show doing everything, it has been long gone. And can I be honest with you? I don't want that. It's exhausting. I never wanted that. You and I have to build this together in Jesus' name. And the, other, the last thing is, if, I'm not, if you can have the worship team come up here, is friends. Say friends. Now, I still have about three more points, but, but I wanted to tell you about the prioritizing part. Make sure that you have friends, godly friends, in your life that are going to sharpen you. But can I be honest with you? Let's make sure we also make time for our friends. Because that's healthy. Companionship. Do you understand? The, the Bible says that like iron sharpens iron, so does a friend. So does a friend sharpen each other's countenance. Some people, without you knowing it, you're battling with loneliness because you have the Lord, but you have no friends. Can I just be something, say something really real, real really real? Try saying that fast. That's going to pop our religious bubble. We theologically are made of spirit, soul, and body, according to Thessalonians, the book of Thessalonians. The church is real good at the spirit part and maybe really good at the soul part, like healing the soul. But we're really sometimes weak with the body, with the physical body. We need relationships, and we need each other, and we need godly friends. Can I hear an amen? Pray for godly friends in your life. It doesn't have to be 500. It could be just two. But hold on to them. Can I hear an amen? Now, the fourth point. We're doing good on time, guys. I'm going to get you out of here in less than 10 minutes. Now, this, the next three points, next three points are very healing for you. So please pay attention. These are the revolutions that I'm talking about in 2018. How many have been getting something this morning? The fourth revolutionary point that you need. Are you ready for this? Make wrong things right. It got quiet up in this Pentecostal church. Make, say, make wrong things right. In 2018, hear me prophetically. I'm hearing from the Lord prophetically. Start 2018 by being intentional and making wrong things right, especially relationships that have gone sour in 2017. The Bible is clear. If you know you, you, that someone is uh, hurt with, against you or has ought against you, the Bible says you leave that gift on the altar. In other words, God is, in 2017, is saying, I love your worship, but I don't want it right now until you get right with your brother or your sister. Well, are you kidding me, Pastor George? God doesn't want my worship. Not if you still have unresolved hurt or bitterness against someone and are waiting for them to come to you. If Jesus would have waited for us to say, you are the Son of God, we would have never experienced the famous, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Make wrong things right. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Guys, in 2017, whatever has happened, any relational conflict in your marriage, in your boss, with friends, with, with uh, relatives, with children, make wrong things right. I said make wrong things right. That means you have to humble yourself. Always remember this. Making wrong things right does not condone the other person's behavior, but what it's doing is healing it. It's healing that relational wound. 
Make wrong things right, not only relationship, but in your honesty. If you've been dishonest in any area of your life in your, with your spouse, or if you've been dishonest in your IRS returns, or you've been dishonest in your finances, if you've been dishonest about something that you're withholding to your spouse, make wrong things right. You know what peacemaking is? Peacemaking, blessed are the peacemakers, for, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemaking is the act of making wrong things right. I want to encourage you. You want, you want a revolution in your life? Come on, come on. You want revival to explode in your life? Humble yourself and make wrong things right. When you do, my friends, I tell you, you will strip away that pride that's holding you from making wrong things right, and you will have a heart that's alive because you won't have that. Look at what Hebrews says. Look that up, that, that scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 14. Famous scripture, I say it a lot. I want you to say this all with me when you see it on the screen. Hebrews Hebrews 12, verse 14. Look it up there. Say it with me. One, two, three. Pursue peace with some people. Oh, wait. It says all people. Watch this. Pursue peace. That word pursue is an initiatory word. It's saying, I'm not waiting for God to do it. It's saying you pursue. One of the Greeks says that you pursue peace with all people. You know what all people means? Even the people that get on your nerves. Sometimes we want to make peace with people that we love because it's easy. Oh, you know what? Me and my friend, we just had a little bump on the road. And, you know, she's my friend or he's my friend. No, with people that you don't rub good with, make peace with them. Now watch. This is very practical. This doesn't mean you have to be their best friend every day. But it does mean you're keeping your heart free from the next verse. What's the next verse? Pursue peace with all uh, people in all holiness. Looking carefully. This is what happens when you don't pursue peace with people. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Make it a point in 2018 not to wait for someone to come to you, but you make wrong things right. Can I hear an amen? And this is one thing I broke down that I, uh, that I really want to share. Look at me, please. I want to pastor you today. In, in the whole number four, making wrong things right, here's what you need to do. Not only do you need to pursue peace with people, already, look at me. Make time to heal yourself. Take time to heal from wounds. Take time to heal from the things that went wrong. But you need to take time. That means after, you, after you've dealt with it, go away and reflect and allow the Lord to minister to you. This is good preaching. Better than you're saying Amen. I'm almost done. Number five, the fifth revolutionary point I'm going to share. Now, we're going to do something really unique today. We're going to do something very unique. Make room. This is a little revolution tip here. Make room for divine interruptions in your life that will bless you and others significantly. Oh, say amen. I'm going to say that again. Make room in 2018 for divine interruptions that will bless you and others significantly. Listen, some of the greatest blessings that will ever come in your life will come by surprise. But if you're too busy, you will miss that blessing. 
some of the greatest blessings that ever come is when you allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt your busy agenda day and see a need and see a moment in time that something is opening up and stopping what you're going to do. Jesus got interrupted all the time. He was going to, to the Jarius, the, the ruler said, hey, I need you to come to my house because there's a family member sick. While he's going to his house, the, the woman with the issue of blood just, just messed everything up. Now, everybody looks at the, at the woman with the issue of blood because Jesus stopped. He got interrupted. He could have said, lady, I'm on a mission here. I'm going to someone's house. He stopped, and he could have missed one of the greatest miracles recorded in biblical history where a, a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years got healed simply because, that, you know how I know he got interrupted? Because she didn't even call his name. She just said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment. And when he, she touched it, power left him. And she, he goes, wait a minute. I know I'm going here, but I got to stop. Listen, don't be so busy that you miss a divine moment. Whew. Don't be so busy that you miss a divine moment in your life. I had a divine moment this past Friday. I was here, and then the holidays, as you know, there's really nobody here. Um, in the morning, in the night there is, but at morning there's not, but especially in the holidays. And so I came around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, and I never go through the front. I never go through the front. I always go through the side there. And I went through the front just so I could see because there's been the people that sleep in the front and just leave cigarette butts almost every day that we have and, and trash that I have to clean up every day. As I'm pulling up to the front, I meet these, these two precious souls. One of them is named JR and the other name is Sharon. And I'm going out, and I watch this. I'm busy. I'm going to have a, have a one-track mind. I got to study for Sunday. Come on. You know what I'm saying. I got to do this stuff. And they said, hey, uh, can, I, can I talk to you? We're, are you, are you? We're a little hungry. Do you have anything? And most of the time, we've been like, okay, are they really hungry, or do they want this? But this time, I felt compelled to listen. They're like, we'll get out of your way, sir. We're just hungry. Do you have anything? And in my mind, I know we have some chips back there, glory to God, for, for you know, just snacks and stuff. I go, well, I have some chips. And I have some stuff that like anything, sir, that we do. I just started feeling this love, the love of God, the love of, of the Father. And I said, why don't you come inside? And it was just me. So I was taking a risk. I was like, come inside. So I, I said, all I have is Hot Pockets. You, you like Hot Pockets? Yeah, we like it. We like anything. And they turned out to be homeless. The, the, the first thing they said is like, we're, we're homeless. I said, come inside. So I started, I, I, I cooked them. I cooked them. Microwave, I didn't cook them. I, I trying to boost my cooking skills up. I put two Hot Pockets in a microwave, and I gave them some chips. And guys, what we take for granted, like, cheese puffs, that's my favorite. And we guys, we started talking. And before we came in, they said, could you pray for us? I prayed, no lie. I put my hands around them. And as soon, I'm, ta I'm talking about as soon as I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, tears started coming down these la the, the lady's face. Just, they, they just came on hard times. We started talking together for a whole hour. We laughed together. We cried together. We were in the kitchen just telling stories about life. And the Lord encountered me in that moment and said, don't be so busy with your agenda that you miss a divine moment. Here who they are. Put that, put that picture up. That's them right there. It's my new friends. That um, if you look, they're just loving people. I invited them to today, and I was looking for them. I don't see if I see them. But let me tell you, you know what I did that's against my, my, my what I mean by nature is I come from Miami, so I'm, I'm overprotective, you're right? I never do this. I came outside. I said, where are you guys going? God, no, don't worry. 
I gave them some stuff, and here's how I knew they were legit. I offered to give them all the chips. I said, no, 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 Pastor, no. We have enough. I'm like, are you kidding me? I go, take these chips. He goes, no, no. Give it to somebody else that's in need. Our bag, our backpack is full. We just stuffed some with chips. I had some petty cash in my office. I said, here, I want you to take this. And they go, no, Pastor, no. I'm like, yes, take this. We want, but that's the church's money. I go, it's a church's money to bless people like you and to be benevolent. I go, please take this. So it took like $20-something in cash. They hugged me, and I'll never forget what they did, man. That made me cry. He goes, you know what? This place right here, this, this place right here, and he couldn't have words. He goes, this is the real deal. He goes, I've seen a lot of hypocrisy in the church, and this is the real deal. Thank you for, for not being intimidated. And I, I, I'm going to be very raw right now. I said, I want you to come to church. And they said, is, it that, is that, watch, is that okay? I go, of course it's okay. Why would you say it's okay? Go, but but we, we only have these clothes. Will, will they be okay with us? I said, listen, I had a hoodie on. I, had, I looked like a gangster too at that time. I'm like, hey, I'm a, I'm a senior pastor. Look how I'm dressed. I had, I had a, a hoodie on. I had sweatpants. I go, you could come any day and any time just as you are. And as we left, this is the one thing that I don't do. I said, where are you going? Oh, about like 10 blocks down. I go, get in my car. I go, some of you guys know. You go, you ain't going to do that. I, get, I put them in my car in the back seat. I fed them. I loved on them. And he goes, before he left, he goes, Pastor, I believe there's greater blessings coming to you and to your church. Thank you for blessing us. Come on, give the Lord a big hand for that. Now, before I give you the last one, let's not be so busy that we miss divine moments. And you know what? Some divine moments may not be for you to minister to somebody. Some divine moments may be actually to bless you. I got more blessed than, they, than, than I blessed them because the Lord encountered me through that. He told me, he goes, now that I lost everything, I'm more happier now because he said I was prideful. He used to have a lot of money, he told me. He said, but I, the Lord caused me to be stripped because I got so prideful. He goes, but now I've learned my lesson. He goes, I'm more happier now. You know what he said? This is a homeless man. He goes, I go to Wawa's, and he goes, I, I take delight in other people smiling. So I, he goes, one day last week, I said, I'm determined just to go to Wawa's, and everybody I met, I was trying to put a smile on their face. Hey, smile. And he said, when I put somebody's a smile on somebody else's face, he goes, that made me feel good. He goes, you know what happened? People started blessing me. He goes, you're the fifth person in a row that has pulled me aside to tell me about God. He goes, God is talking to us. And then, I'm not exaggerating, the lady, before I go to my last point, as we're walking to my car, she goes, you know what? Every time I pass by this building, I told, I told my husband, because they're together, we're going to go to that church one day. No lie. No lie. I go, you did? She goes, yes, ask him. He goes, she sure did. I go, you're welcome anytime. Make room for divine interruptions. Last point, and then we're going to pray. All right? Last point. Consecrate yourself for deeper holiness, deeper encounters with God, deeper prayer, and deeper biblical devotion in your life. In 2018, prepare yourself for encounters. And prepare yourself for deeper holiness deeper consecration, deeper prayer, and deeper word. Now, I want everyone to listen to me. This is how we're going to end the service. I felt led from the Lord in this last point that I want everyone should have gotten a prayer card when they get in. The Lord spoke to me in prayer the other day and said, I want to come into agreement 
with your most pressing and urgent prayer needs that you want fulfilled in 2018. Look at me. How many of you have prayer needs that you want to be fulfilled in 2018 that you've been waiting for a while? Lift up your hands. Come on. Whether it's your son, whether it's for your daughter, whether it's for your business, whether it's for your family, or for your own life. Come on, raise them up. All right, so I want everyone to stand up for one second, please. I want everyone to stand up, and I want you to begin to dream for a second. Every one of you, I want you to take your prayer card. Oh, glory to God. Listen to this. And I want you to write your most pressing prayer needs. And we're going to pray that in 2018, I'm even believing by the first quarter of 2018, that prayer is going to be answered. Come on. How many believe that with me? So I want you to take a moment. Take about two minutes right now. Get a pen. If you have a pen, and uh, our guest service teams, if, if you could help our teams, our, our members with pens, I want you to write down right now your most pressing prayer needs right now. We're going to do two things. Hear me. We're going to pray for it together, and then I'm going to have you end the service by placing all your prayer cards here. You know why? Because every Tuesday when we do corporate prayer, your prayer needs are going to be lifted up before the Lord. Every single day. We're going to pray, and every single Tuesday, we're going to lift it up. So right now, as, as we worship the Lord, come on, we want to do a song here. I want you to take two minutes and, and write your most pressing prayer needs for you and your family that you're believing God to answer in 2018. Come on, let's mix this with faith this morning. Come on. Come on, as we worship, I want you to write this down. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.